Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass with me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton. Natalie Campbell's taking a little break over the summer, so this week we're joined by Angela Mutanda. We're talking about Love Island and attachment styles in relationships. And we meet Sue Nelson and Wally Funk. Sue Nelson is Wally's biographer. And Wally is a woman who at 80 is about to go into space. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Now, because we are lucky enough to be graced with the brilliance that is Angela Mithanda in the studio with us this week, and she is the author of the book Life Stages of a Relationship, we thought we can't let her leave without <laughs> answering not. all our relationship queries. Oh, wow. Well. No pressure. <laughs> oh, honestly, Angela, when you see the state of mind and Emma's love life, so we're going to be here all night. Uh, I want to know we'll everything. never let you leave. Uh, so... First of all, we were talking before the show about the concept of attachment styles. We were talking about this because of Love Island this week and Danny and Yawande. Here is a little clip of Yawande talking about whether or not Danny is the man for her. Oh, no. Here we go. And then Anton, and then you came over and you literally just like sat on him, which yeah. I have no problem with like you coming over to having a chat, but I just feel like it's a little bit like territorial. Not really. I think the reason, the only reason I did that was because he said that what another issue that we mm-hmm. had was that I wasn't like showing enough affection. Yeah, but do you not think that that's like, is that really showing affection sitting on somebody? Because well, I was like, different I wife. feel like if I'm coupled up with someone and I want to sit yeah. on them, I should like, yeah, of course, you're entitled you know to, I mean? to do what, yeah, but obviously, I feel like someone like says affection I don't know I think everyone's different to affection but exactly. to me that obviously that would be probably a bit more touchy-feely yeah but I just feel like last night was obviously then you guys kissed and mm-hmm. then today it's kind of like sitting on him and doing that do you not think it's literally going from like naught to 150 and do you not think that that's going to make think, him feel no I don't think that's going to make him feel any type of way I think me sitting on someone's leg yeah is not going from zero to 100 okay I mean, I feel like sitting on anyone's leg is going from zero to 150. Just randomly plonking yourself down. You wonder whose voice I could listen to all day. Yeah, she has actually got So lovely. Um, And that was Joanna talking to new girl Arabella about staking her claim for Danny. Now, if we've been watching the show, we've seen that Danny has been really interpreted, supposedly, for a few weeks... And she has not been given anything back. Why is that? Well, can I just say something quite Mm. different to that? What I 
I've seen, I watch Love Island, I'm addicted to it. <laughs> <laughs> I confess, I'm in a support group. Um, <laughs> what was amazing was the way Arabella schooled her. And Ooh. what woman should sit in that situation and take that from another yeah. woman? Hang on, you've just stepped really inappropriately into my space, broken all the rules, all the boundaries, yep. and told me off. Mm. What's that about? That's a separate um I that's agree. a separate issue. But I think with Yoanda and Danny, I think Yoanda's very, very green around the gills when it comes to relationships and how to behave and I think she ha she might have some insecurities around that and she might have a little bit of avoidance, fear of being rejected so she might keep her feelings very clamped down until there's a threat and I think with Danny, he's, he's this stud muffin he's wandered in, you know he's, he's very good looking he's very good looking and he's clocked her he likes her, there is some kind of you know, intellectual and perhaps emotional connection there and lusting. Um, and then somebody else has popped up on the menu and he's like, oh, hang on, it's Christmas. Isn't that what I'm here for? A little bit of light shopping and then I'll settle. <laughs> what I don't like, though, is that, you know, you can tell that she's struggling and Danny, yeah. Danny hasn't... He hasn't really supported her on that. He's nope. just gone, she's not giving me any affection, so therefore I'm going to go and find but it somewhere But can else. I just say, look, mm. slight observation. Yeah. How long have they been in there? Oh, okay. so th three weeks. Okay. But that is 24-7. I know, I know. But it's this it's fast and furious relationships yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. And we expect them to sort of really kind of pair bond really, really fast and have a meaningful relationship. And the first stages of a relationship are often about lust, so you've got a lot of, you know, lust going on. And then at the same time, they're supposed to couple up, which is the next bit of the relationship where it's about commitment. So they go from, like, zero to hero in <laughs> no time at all, while some people are still left in the lusting phase, which is why Love Island is so brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Because they will keep dropping in lusty characters. <laughs> yeah, although there's not... I've, I find it fascinating and I wasn't going to watch it this year and then I accidentally watched yeah. an extra couple of episodes and then I was done for. But I, there are moments where I'm like, it's the way that Love Island sometimes tips from being an interesting show about relationships and mm. dynamics, mm. which I find really fascinating yeah. and really interesting. And then they do things which are really playing with people's emotions for TV drama. Yeah. And some of those ones, I'm just like, those moments, I'm just a bit like, I just don't, I don't like that aspect of it. Like, it's enough without that extra drama. And I can already yeah. feel like they are going to dial up the drama this year. I mean, it's above my pay grade to know exactly why they do what they do, but it is an entertainment show. These guys, I guess they've watched the show before, they know what's going on, and I wonder whether when their real pair bonding's going on, where two people really yeah. find that there is a true connection, the producers are sitting in another room going, right, yeah, <laughs> okay, here we go, let's disrupt it. And if you like, it is, I mean, it is a competition at the end, I mean, there's money at the end of it, yeah. so there are so many other elements but if you strip it back and you just look at the relationships I see a lot of different kinds of attachment styles going on at any one time. So when we talk about attachment styles what do we mean? I mean this is based on John Bowlby's observations about relationships and how you know we learn um, from our caregivers, our parents, our primary caregivers about how to uh, feel about ourselves and our security and you know if you've got 
parents who love you or uh, primary caregivers who love you, you grow up secure. Now, for a lot of people, they are in difficult situations and they might develop an insecure attachment style where they don't know where they stand and they're always like, do you love me? I don't know if you love me. Do you like me? And you get anxious people who've gone through different experiences and that contributes to how they see themselves in relationships or avoidance style, which is another one where there's a real fear of rejection. So you don't you don't really get involved too much. You give a little bit and then you hold back and you're always frustrating your partner because they don't know where they stand because you won't give anything, but you're so afraid to you know, to be let down. Um, so th this is what we mean by attachment styles. And do we get different attachment styles at different parts of the relationship? So you talked about the kind of lust part. Is that the bit where it's actually, it all feels really good? You know, they fancy you, you fancy them. We're all very excited. Nobody's yeah. been on Tinder for a couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, it's all feeling good. And then when it gets to a commitment level, is that where we start to see attachment styles? Yeah, I think what you're talking about is the uh, chemical <laughs> warfare the that, bit. Yeah, that goes on. You know, you're that, part, that reward part of the brain yeah. is basically lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and that, you know, everyone's called that your partner's name you know oh, I'm sorry I'm just so oh, in yeah. love and aren't we you know don't we have everything in common yeah. and yeah we like all the same food and we're just kind of <laughs> Netflix and chill and it's all wonderful and that can last between sort of six months to four years where you yeah wow that's you, quite a long time you can stay in that bit for quite some time really having a lovely time and then <laughs> <laughs> you start going reality I hits. really really hate it when you, you leave the toilet seat up I yeah. really really hate it when you don't Put the, you know the little bits of relationship and the differences start to emerge and then I think your attachment style also starts to come out so where you didn't notice things about your partner in the beginning you are really starting to spotlight them and then you realize that actually I'm always the one doing the dinner waiting on you where are you where are you going to be hang on you're in the bar with your mate what's and then you start going I'm doing all the running and you're just sitting there so that's when you those sorts of things start to emerge so for those of us who are not in relationships mm -hmm. do you think i mean you were talking about how in love island they kind of it feels like the producers are mucking around with people's affections a little bit yeah. i think technology is mucking around with our affections because it feels like the producers are essentially your new boyfriend's mate saying oh let's just have a quick flick through tinder and see who's yeah, online yeah. now you're right because they do they bring in like yeah. a couple of extra girls and everybody's like oh and oh, the whole thing on. is about will my head be turned isn't yeah. it which is the equivalent of the the right, the right swipe. swipe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And I think in, a, in the age of social media, there is so much choice yeah. that to commit feels like letting yourself down. But do you know what? I've noticed how they talk about each other in Love Island mm. is about physical appearances. Yes. She's my type on paper. They're not saying she's my type on paper because she does astrophysics and she, you know, it's like they're so everything is based on physical attractiveness. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. My favorite bit of the, I think it was last night's episode, was um, Danny and Arabella out on a date. Going, they've got so we've got so much in common yeah. because we both really fancy people who have personalities. 
No specifics as to what was in those personalities. Just people with personalities. No, I think they both like boxing and they both model. <laughs> isn't that their common ground? It's but yoga, isn't that a bit like? It's not a bit like looking in the mirror and seeing yourself and going, "I really yeah. fancy me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. I must admit, I really fancy Arabella. She like she walked into that villa and I was like, Amazon. Here she is. Do they, I didn't yeah. even know they made humans looking that good. <laughs> Angela, what are the life stages of a relationship? So if we've got lust, then we've got reality hitting. What happens after that? <laughs> well, there's another way of looking at it, which is form, storm and norm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, OK, like this. Take notes, come on. Yeah. This is an education, this show. Form, storm and norm. Norm. Right, so that's that's based on kind of social groups theory. So when you get together, you're in the forming stage yeah, okay. and it's all about the lusty bits and the fun bits and yeah. how we have so much, you know, in common. And then the storming bits is about the differences that we have and where we fight and there's lots of conflict. And the norming stage is, for me, when you've learned how to deal with the storming oh, and where you've gone I, all right it's okay to argue it's okay <laughs> Emma, have I've you got, got a question, question. go yes. on <laughs> how much of the storm uh-huh is caused by in the form you have your rose tinted glasses so you don't mention the toilet seat oh quite my god not. Emma and I are the same person that was my question that's too quite, that's quite a lot you you sit there going I'm oh, so it's fine yeah no everything's fine until you get used to each other and then that's yeah. that's when the differences occur and when you start to notice the differences and the irritations that's when the storming is all about the arguments and the little niggles and the little irritations and why do we have to go to your folks house for Christmas I'm sick of seeing their faces yeah. why can't we do something different and there is this real tussle for you know who am I in this relationship and I don't belong to you and you know and it's how you manage that that is the survival of the relationship to the other bit to the much more we're committed I accept your differences we know how to argue we know how to resolve conflict we're not going to sweat the small stuff we'll talk about it and work through it together so rather than me versus you it's us on team we and I think that's the bit that most people work towards getting but I think a lot of people bail during the storming yeah and sometimes yeah. for good reason I mean sometimes a relationship is rubbish and all your friends are going, it's, it's rubbish, run! And you're like, no, I'll just give it another <laughs> six years. No, run. Because <laughs> a lot of people, I think, also tune out their intuition and their own feelings about something and they're going, no, it'll get better, it'll get better. We'll if you're saying, Yeah, if you're, if you're saying that and you're not voicing it, something's wrong. Mm, okay. Wise words. Uh, we're probably going to quiz Andrews to our attachment styles <laughs> off air. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. So it's 50 years since the crew of Apollo 11 landed on the moon in July 1969. Giant leap for mankind. And yet, we're still waiting for a woman. And potentially, we have the woman in the studio. Wooly Funk, welcome to Badass Women's Hour. Thank you for joining us. Woo, thank you for having me. And I'm loving being here. Thank you. You have it's a great a, background. Oh, thank you. It's a joy to have you. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'm just going to do a little scene set. You are 80. Is that correct? 45. 45. 45 plus a month or two. No, I was just a kid next door going higher, faster, longer. And you have been an aviation pioneer, expert, teacher for your whole life. For my whole life, since I was one year old. Oh, I forgot to bring the pictures in. It's radio, it's okay. Oh, I don't want them to see it. My parents took me to an airport when I was one year old. Wow. And I waddled over to the DC-3, and I checked the wheel to see if I could turn the nut <laughs> on that tire. And mother wow. said, she's going to learn to fly. And you well, did? Yes. I had how my first old? lesson at nine. <gasps> I could reach the pedals, but I knew how to do the throttle and everything. And I... I, I was one of these people that knew how to do anything and everything all the time on my own because I grew up with the Indian Pueblo Indians in Taos and there's a spirit on that tall, tall mountain where I used to ski and that would give me what I was supposed to do today. Wow. <laughs> and what was everyone's reaction to you as a young... What was everyone's reaction to you as a young nine-year-old girl wanting to fly what was what what did your friends and family they think didn't, of you as a they didn't girl? know they nobody didn't know? knew how i felt i knew that i could do things that most people couldn't do and and i and i kept up with the guys and i beat some of the guy boys yeah. on doing things because i built erector i built my corrector sets i built airplanes i tried to fly them I built all kinds of things, tree houses. And mother said, where are you going to sleep tonight? In the tree house or so? <laughs> I might, or I might be out with the Indians on the desert. Or in the... And when you were a young girl, what was the dream? What did you want? Was it just to fly a plane? Did you want no, to go to I the No, I didn't moon? have a dream at that time. Mm-hmm. I loved music. I loved opera. I wanted to be a conductress. Uh-huh. And so then flying came into my life. I made balsa wood airplanes, had them hanging from my ceiling, and then when I went off to college, all that, I don't know what happened to it, but before I went to college at 14, um, I was a skier, went, into, went to the skiing Olympics. I was a shooter, and I got my Distinguished Rifleman's Award that went to Washington, D.C. with a letter wow. coming back from um, President... Amazing. Sue, Sue, how did this book come about? I mean, Wally, you're clearly a total legend (laughs) with an incredible, interesting life. Sue, how did you find Wally? How did the book come about? 
Basically, I was living in New York in the 90s and literally read a couple of lines that referred to some women who were pilots in 1960 to 1961 who'd taken the, the same tests as a group of male astronauts called the Mercury 7. And these were the first American astronauts. And I was gobsmacked because I was totally into space. I'd uh, I'd written to an astronaut as a teenager, uh, to NASA as an as, as a te- as an as- that's that's me <laughs> thinking what I would have really liked to be. I'd written to NASA as a teenager asking them how to become an astronaut. So I was astonished that I'd not heard this. It was like a hidden history mm. about there were qualified women astronauts, same as the blokes. They were all pilots. They'd done the same tests yeah. as the blokes. Some of the women, including Wally, had done better than the men at Mm. the tests. And yet they never got the opportunity to go into space. So that's how I met Wally. I sort of became a bit obsessed, um, (laughs) made a radio documentary on on the Mercury 13 and met four of those women. And one of them was Wally. Oh, wow. Yay! Wally, Wally, how did you feel when when you did all this training, which must have been really hard long you know work and it then you couldn't go work, in this but it was not hard on me oh, okay. everything was easy was because it? i was very athletic i knew my parents taught me never to cry never to if you fall off the horse or the bike lick your wounds don't come home unless you broke something <laughs> but i've always been very positive and um, very up all my but life. But there must have been training to be an astronaut. Look, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Okay. That one, tell me one thing that was a bit, it, a tiny bit challenging for you. Nothing. Nothing. Really? Nothing. I can tell you about when I was in a centrifuge test. How no, that went. was easy for you, Wally. Tell them about the tough stuff. The, the, <laughs> the water in your ear. That sort of oh, stuff. okay. Yeah. The very yeah. first day, uh, they're they're taking your blood pressure and everything. You cannot imagine how many 89 tests that they put on my body, mm-hmm. in my mouth, in my eyes, in my... So they injected with a needle 10-degree water in my ears <gasps> for 30, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And what would that have done to you? It would have made you go very mad, or you would have thrown up, or you would have gotten up and walked away. Yep. To me, I just said, oh... Wow. (laughs) Because my parents taught me never to say anything about anything that hurts you. It doesn't hurt. And I've never had anything that has ever hurt. Then I wait an hour and they come back and they do the left ear. And my left ear is my better ear. And that was a little bit tougher. (laughs) So I said, oh, my goodness. That's all I said. Wow. So So you have all the tests I've taken. Nothing has ever hurt me. So that you've got an incredible level of resilience, right? <laughs> but so you've done all this training, then all these tests. You are thinking that you're going to space, and then they tell you that's not going to happen. That's okay mm. because I've I've been trying and trying to get to International Space Station, and I think I found a guy that's going to help me. I'm going to go up with Brown. Nice. Not in now, 1960. Okay, back though. then, yeah. No, right then I was were just taking angry? more and more tests. Yeah, but were you? But how did you feel when they said you're not? You know, you're not going to go. Didn't bother me. I just I, I had other things to do in my life, and flying was part. I worked for the FAA as an inspector. I worked for the NTSB as an investigator. I did over 45 airplane crashes. Everything was 
very nice for me. I just I I do what I want to remember to though. Wally was twenty. She yeah. was the youngest to take the test. Yeah. She was single. She yeah. wasn't wasn't yeah. married. No children. A lot of the other women though did experience quite um, a, a crushing defeat. Mm. Um, several of the ones I've met said it was crushing. Mm. They felt as though their dreams had suddenly been removed from them. One of the women Didn't was 40. She had eight children wow. and 40 oh and gosh. passed the test. Another of the women had two children and because she took the test, her husband divorced her. Oh, wow. So some of them lost their jobs. So while Wally was... Yeah, resilient is a, is a good word, but not all the women experienced that in the, in the same way. Why were NASA... Why did NASA refuse to... It wasn't a NASA test. It wasn't... Okay. They didn't weren't doing it for NASA, but I think it's understandable that you might yeah. think that because the guy who devised the tests for the men did work for NASA. Ah. And he funded... Lovish. So it was a private funded program doctor right. his name if you think wally funk's name is dr. great Randall his name Lovish. is Do- and his no he's known as dr randy lovelace yeah <laughs> i love that i know i think it means more to the english <laughs> than it does the brits the well, brits find this funnier than the americans they no, don't really see a, why it's so funny he was funny. a great man <laughs> and his uncle was my father's uh doctor and when i said i when i wrote to him i'm wally from taos they knew who I was. Amazing. Aww. So you're going to get to go to space then? Is this now your well, mission together? Well, I was hoping to. Yeah? Great. That's because okay. I, did, I did everything they wanted me to do. The only thing that held me back when I applied and applied and applied and I talked to everybody at NASA was I didn't have an engineering degree. So I went, I was going to go get that. And wherever I was living at that time in the United States, went to a college and they tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're a girl. Go to Hobeck. In the sixties, it was very hard for girls to do anything, but it never stopped me. Well, that's I kept why you're so incredible, Wally. Well, we are going to keep talking to Wally and get maybe some of her life lessons and how we can all be yeah. a bit of the Wally Funk spirit. I think we all need uh, all of that. Is coming up here on Badass Women's Hour XL next. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. We are lucky enough to have Wally Funk in the studio and Sue Nelson, uh, author of the book Wally Funk's Race for Space, the extraordinary story of a female aviation pioneer. Um, Sue, when you were writing this book, did you... Did you kind of have a point where you were looking at it? I'm writing a book about women in the 1960s in aviation and space, and yet here I am in the 21st century (laughs) and it doesn't look like much has changed. Um, Sometimes you're right, sometimes it did, because the attitude to, particularly to the first woman who took these Mm. tests, an aviator called Jerry Cobb, she experienced the most outrageous sexism. She was constantly um, asked if she was going to take her high heels into the cockpit. What's a pretty little lady like you want to do flying a plane and becoming an astronaut? She was also always described as Jerry Cobb, 36, 26, 36. Uh, Oh, yeah. And then you think, okay, here we are, you know, however many years later. But um, particularly some of the uh, astronauts that went to the International Space Station, uh, a lot of the women, when you look at how the press has covered them, they've asked their male 
partners, uh, astronauts, colleagues, about their missions, about, you know, what, what were you doing? What were you doing with the robotic arm? And then they'll ask somebody like Karen Nyberg, for instance, who had very long blonde hair, how did you wash your hair in space? Wow. So mm. you, you still, yeah. unfortunately, get some of that... Um, slightly different treatment and then you only have to look at what happened when Tim Peake went into space a few years ago loads of people kept calling him Britain's first astronaut forgetting mm. that Helen yes. Sharman had gone yeah. up you know over 10 mm. years earlier so yes it's there's still sometimes it did feel like <gasps> banging your head against a, a brick wall but um but fantastic strides have been made because the women that are in space are you know that they make they're superhuman, you know, you and feel I, like a gamma. And I think it's brilliant that these stories are now coming out. I mean, it's like a bit... It's a hidden figure. It's yeah. very yeah. much yeah. a hidden Absolutely. figure. Yeah. And I'm frustrated by that because, you know, we need women like you standing out there saying, this is what you can do because I have yeah. a daughter and I want her to have female role models who can do and have a very can... Mm. Your approach is so <laughs> can do. I, love it. I feel lazy. Well, <laughs> you know what? I'm just ahead of my time, which yeah. is really too bad. But I make <laughs> I a difference. I think you were just in time. I think <laughs> no, everybody else no. is behind. I think this is too late. It's too bad it wasn't 30 or 40 years ago. Um, because they could have done better then. Yeah. Because we could have had more girls in space with NASA. But I don't know what happened in that time, if it was money or whatever. And it probably was. But... I teach STEM now, and I go to high schools and teach the junior high, the senior high. I want those kids to know what is out there and what they can do with their lives by learning better, smarter, faster, and do something with their lives. Wally, who were your role models growing up? None. Oh, you admired your mother, though. You, you really... Oh, mother was great. She, I wouldn't have thought of her as that. Mother was so fantastic. She was... Never saying, uh, you got to do this, you got to do that. She said, what are you going to do tonight? I said, well, I don't know. I might sleep in the treehouse or out in the barn or with the Indians. Who knows? Just be careful. Okay. If I ever fell off the horse or the bike, she said, if you hurt yourself, you lick yourself and then continue on. Don't come home unless you broke something. So I had a very free childhood and adulthood because I went to school very early, got my driver's license at 14, and then went on and I got my pilot's license at 16, and I have been going on and charging ever since. So mother basically taught you mental toughness. No, she didn't. She didn't? The spirit of that Taos oh, Mountain did. I would, okay. I would say your mom. <laughs> no. I'd say and mom. a bit of your mom. And a bit of mum. Maybe mum did a no, little bit. No, they were very happy about everything that I did uh -huh. because I knew how to do the train station, the all the, the, the necessarily toys, but I knew how to build things, and that did not come for her. Mother never yeah. taught me a lot. Mother said, do you want to be a cook? you want to be in the kitchen? I said, no, <laughs> and don't ever send me to the... Grocery store, and I never have. Sounds like she gave you a lot of freedom, freedom actually. Yeah. Freedom. Just to yeah, like, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, because I think, you know, and they talk about that a lot in modern parenting where we're so scared, so anxious about kids where she was just like yeah she's like yeah. you know what just get on with it and just call me if you're in a like a desperate yeah. state mother was great <laughs> i said mother love it i have my license i want you to be my first passenger she came and i took her up for her first flight with me oh. and then when i was an investigator i said do you want to go with me to one of my accident investigations sure 
and gave her a shovel, a shovel and in the nineties, and she did it. She did everything because she. I was doing what she wanted to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She could see you in her, right? And I still talk to her up there. Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'd be really proud of you. Legend. Wally, do you have a life motto or mantra that you live by? Uh, some sort of life guide that you use when you've got a decision to make, when if somebody asked you for some life advice, what would you give them? I go higher, faster, longer. That's what I've been by. <laughs> I love that. Ooh, I like that. Higher, I like faster, that longer. Whether I'm making something, <clears throat> flying, Teaching somebody, all those three words are part of me. Wally, we've been talking about midlife crisis. No. How would you go higher, <laughs> Wally faster, no. or longer? I don't have any Did of you that. ever have a midlife crisis? No. She no. doesn't have time for a midlife no. crisis. No, that's right. She doesn't have yeah. time. Yeah. I have no time. <laughs> because she's going... No, I'm busy all the time. And Sue keeps me quite busy. <laughs> no, I've had a great life. I, I, I love all of it. And I feel very, very happy to have had the parents that brought me up in a very high standard of life. I was to be dressed and ready to sit at the dining room table at 5 o'clock every evening. And if somebody came in, because they entertained a lot, if somebody came in, I stood up, shook their hands, and sat down and never talked unless spoken to. Which is so hard so, to imagine, isn't it? That's exactly how I was brought up, and that's the way I would treat all of you, and that's the way I teach my students very gently. Sue, what have you learned from writing this book? Patience. Um, also that you shouldn't give up your dream. Wally didn't give up. She was the only woman of the Mercury 13 who carried on trying to do more of the astronaut tests, find out what extra tests she would have done if the programme hadn't have been cancelled. And she did them, she continued. She's done things like zero-G flights, she's done centrifuges, and she's bought a ticket with Virgin Galactic. And so at the age of 45, (laughs) still (laughs) intends to go into space. And hopefully that will happen within the next year because Virgin Galactic have already had two successful test flights into space. Um, We met with Virgin Galactic just a couple of days ago. They're on track for Richard Branson to go up. He's always, was always going to be him and his family their first passengers um, to go up by the end of the year. So finally, Wally Funk will be going into space after wow. first and trying in 1961. I'm a very curious person. Yes. I want to know how everything yeah. works, no matter whether it's sitting here in the studio or outside or airplane or whatever. Every airplane I've gone on, I go right up. When I have having to fly commercially, I go right up and I meet the captain, the first officer, and I go on with them. I do. I did that when I went on the QE2 um, to England, coming here from America, and then when I went back on the um, Concorde. Concorde, I went right up, and, I, and they had me in the cockpit, and I could see. So I am not afraid to ask, that's and good. I do, mm-hmm. and I and I and I get out there. I think that's a brilliant life strategy. Thank you so much, Thanks, Sue the, Wally. Thank you so much for welcome. joining us. We have loved hearing from you both. So it's there's been an unwritten delight. final chapter. 
Which There's an unwritten yeah. final oh. chapter, yeah. yes. Which will the be in once she's gone into space. I feel like we need a movie. I feel like we need a movie. Yeah, I feel like we need a movie. Wally Funk's Race for Space, the extraordinary story of a female aviation pioneer, is out now in all good bookshops. Um, I feel like you're just going to change your entire life if you go read it. It's going to give you a whole new view on it. One, two, three, four! This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.